You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. It's my podcast and I'll talk if I want to, talk if I want to, talk if I want to. It's Interview with the Comic Book Nerd. It's me, Richard Cardenas. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Um, Let's see. Hope everyone is having a fantastic week so far. I say that every every week at the beginning of each episode, but it's it's true. I want you guys to all be having fantastic weeks and all be having um fun, <laughs> fun. That's it. Just fun. Just have fun. Uh, let's see what have I got going on. Oh, let, let's talk a little bit about um alcohol and uh and the drinking of it. I'm not a huge drinker of alcohol. I don't do it very often, but when I do, I like wine. That's kind of like my thing to go to. Uh, every now and then I'll have a cocktail if, you know, the situation uh, uh, calls for it. But usually if I'm drinking, I'm just having wine because it's the easiest thing for me to drink. Um, it's the thing that gives me the most relaxation from drinking. I don't feel like... Tequila makes me feel very slutty. Um, <laughs> vodka makes me feel loud and and just like laughing at everything. I don't do rum because it's way too sweet for me now. I had really bad experience back when I was like 20 drinking a ton of rum. Not going to do that again. Uh, and yeah, and then I don't do the really like hard tasting stuff like whiskey and stuff like that. Like I can't do that. It's just a little too much for me. So anyway, uh, what, what was the point of the, oh, wine. So, um, I don't know if, uh, if this is something you're supposed to do or not, probably not. I'm going to lean towards not, you're not supposed to do it, but I, had a little mini game night with some friends I haven't seen for a while. So I went over to their place and I brought a bottle, a bottle of a Chardonnay with me. Uh, and they were all like, we want to have cocktails. So they all made themselves some like group grapefruit, vodka, something, something wine cocktails. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to drink my Chardonnay. And some of them were like, oh yeah, we're going to have some of that later. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. You're like, it's, it's fine. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm not going to worry about finishing this bottle off. Well, a bottle later, I drank the whole thing by myself and, um, it was great <laughs> except for the next day. Uh, I don't like being hungover. I don't think anyone does because like I will force myself not to throw up <laughs> if I ever feel like I need to. So that, that's where I was on Saturday. Uh, after the drinking night, I was in bed, uh, probably till like four o'clock uh, near evening. And, and I was just miserable. But you know, after that, I had some soup, I went to go see girls trip, which was a very fun movie, uh, which is going to be my recommendation at the end of the episode. But guess what you got a little teaser, I guess it's not a teaser, because I just straight up told you what it is. But we'll talk about it later. Anyway, <laughs> I went to go do that. And then the day was just okay. I lost a full day of like working on some projects that I was uh working on. Uh so maybe it was worth it, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Anyway, the, the moral of the story is if you're going to drink be responsible and uh and know your limits 
uh, I, I oftentimes will pass my limit. And that's why I don't drink as often <laughs> as maybe your average adult does. Um, so yeah, that would, that happened to me this weekend. Uh, and then game of Thrones can, can we just get a Holy shit? Cause they're killing it this season. Uh, all the other past seasons, you know, they always have like maybe an okay opening and then the rest of the season is kind of like slow. Like I've always enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but like the seasons are slow and not a lot happens. Uh, it moves very slowly and then maybe like the eighth or ninth episode, some huge thing happens and then you get the finale and it's just like, okay. Uh, I think because they are having a shorter season this season, uh, they are packing everything in. Everything is moving fast and I love it. I have absolutely no problem with what they're doing. Um, and it's fucking great. <laughs> they are messing with my emotions left and right, but it's, it's great. And I... I'm so excited for the rest of the season. I'm sad that it's only going to be eight, but you know what? It's so far four episodes have uh, have uh, been released and they have all been fucking great. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I don't care how short it is because it's been great. Um, yeah. OK, let's get into the recap. All right. So this recap is of Astonishing X-Men number one. This is the one that was released probably like two or three weeks ago. Uh, if you haven't read it, here it is. <laughs> um, uh, I enjoyed it. I really, really liked it. And I will explain why. But anyway, let's get into the credits. So this is written by Charles Soule. Penciler is Jim Chung. Uh, inks are by Mark Morales, Guillermo Ortego, and Walden Wong. Uh, co colors are by Richard Isinov and Rain Burrito. And letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, I'm not familiar with this uh, with this creative team charles soul i believe i've read some of his other x-men stuff i'm probably reading some of it right now i'm just really bad at knowing who writes what if you ask me what tom taylor's writing i know he's writing all new x-men he's writing injustice 2 he's writing the power rangers and uh in uh justice league crossover <laughs> he's like the only one that i follow um, but uh yes so anyway let's get into this recap yeah um, all right, so we open up with a woman looking in like psychic distress. You have these like lights that are just like beaming out of her eyes and stuff and not really beaming, but in like a psychic way, just like picture what it looks like when a psychic is going crazy and they have lights coming out of their eyes. That's what it looks like because that's what's happening. <laughs> There's some narration about how there are two moments in every psychic's life. Um, the first is when they realize the voices they are hearing are coming from other people. And the other is when they realize nobody else can hear them. They're, the, they're basically the only ones that are hearing other people's thoughts. So it also compares the experience to children who are born blind where the rest of the world has a sense that the child does not, which is sight, but to a psychic, the rest of the world is blind. So I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, the way they set that whole thing up. But anyway, there is something that is causing psychics around the world to die. Mostly nobody has taken notice because apparently a lot of psychics go into seclusion, so they don't have to deal with the rest of the world. But this entity that's been killing them decides that it's going to take over Psylocke next. Uh, and she's kind of like in a crowded area in London. She sends out this psychic distress call to a bunch of the X-Men, the ones that are closest to her, because she's being attacked. And she's like, I'm about to go down. And so she sends out the distress, the distress call. 
Um, we see Bishop in a library reading up on news reports around the world. This is something he does, apparently. <laughs> He's like a mutant from the future slash past slash future slash I don't really even know. <laughs> I'm not too familiar with him or his power set. But I think we'll touch a little bit on it later just because we do get into a little bit a bit later. But yeah, he's in the library checking up about news all around the world because he's kind of like the person that goes in around different times and tries to like stop catastrophes from happening. Um, so yeah, there's that. Anyway, then there's Archangel. This is Warren Worthington III. He's kind of just shirtless flying around enjoying life. He's not blue and he has feathers, which I guess will be explained a little later in the issue, though I'm still not quite certain how it all works. But they kind of explain it. Anyway, we cut to Gambit and he's in the Louvre uh, stealing. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what he is stealing, but he's with Phantom X, who is this like sexy French guy. Um... This guy, he has the ability to, like, I don't know, he's a thief and he has illusions. He can create illusions and he's a thief like Gambit. And Gambit, you know, he has the ability to kinetically charge any object that eventually explodes. Um, also, he may have a charm ability, but I'm not sure if it's a mutant thing or if it's just a him thing. Uh, so I don't really know. And then Phantom X, he was, I think, part of an experiment and that's why he has the illusion powers i'm not really sure about his whole history i don't really know much about him uh but anyway he and gambit are together and they're stealing something from the loop i don't know what it is then over the atlantic we have rogue flying in an x jet with logan sleeping behind her this is old man logan um i've already talked a lot about them i think on the show <laughs> we've seen them in plenty of the comic books that i've recapped so we won't go ahead uh and talk about them anymore for now uh, all of them, minus Phantom X and Logan, get this distress call from Psylocke, and they all head to London to help her out. So there's this, like, huge kaiju-ass Mothra-looking psychic entity thing climbing up a building, and it's Psylocke that has created this monster, and she's kind of, like, in the center of the monster that's, you know, just climbing around this building. Rogue tries to help her by touching her because she's figures that she's going to absorb the the uh, Psylocke's power in order to stop her from using it, basically. But Psylocke uses some kind of like homing missiles to strike at Rogue. But Archangel ends up showing up and he uses his wings to protect Rogue. And the impact of the missiles reveal that the, the wings, his feathers, are just covering up the metal that's underneath, which looked pretty cool so i think that explains why he has feathers uh don't know where he got the feathers from but <laughs> that's what was uh the that's why his metal wings were not shown earlier um at this point the moth is evolving into a spider and it's spreading like this psychic web around gambit phantom x and logan show up to protect people from the psychic missiles but like they are shooting them and slashing at them. I'm not sure why that works, but it does. <laughs> then Bishop arrives and most of the team is now together. There is a mystery guest. Don't worry. Uh, we'll get to that person. But 
Archangel grabs Bishop and flies him up to Psylocke and Rogue. Uh, here's where we learn a little bit about his powers, or at least here's where I learn about his powers. Apparently, he can absorb energy and then release it to use himself. So Rogue decides that she's going to touch Psylocke to absorb her energy, and then she's going to pass it on to Bishop, who will then release it into the air. And they figure this is going to be the easiest way to do it because if Rogue simply just absorbs Psylocke's energy, she will probably have to deal with whatever Psylocke's dealing with because obviously Psylocke can't control her her abilities at this moment. So they're like, well, if Rogue just absorbs it, how do we know that she's even going to be able to contain it? So yeah, they're going to give it to Bishop so that he can like release the energy and they won't have to worry about it. And how do they transfer this power? Of course, Rogue decides that she's going to do it by giving, giving Bishop a big old smooch. <laughs> because that's apparently Rogue's preferred method of power absorption. So there you go. Uh, so anyway, Psylocke is now subdued for a moment so that she can explain what's happening. And then enters the mystery guest. So it's Beast. This is just regular beast. It's not dark beast or time displaced beast. There is a bit of awkwardness because during the Inhumans versus X-Men event, he sided with the Inhumans. But I don't know. A part of me wonders why we didn't get an introduction to him as well as the others. And I have a theory that I'll share later, though I don't think it's going to pan out. But anyway, I'll explain later. So Psylocke explains to everyone what's happening with all the psychics and that the one responsible is the Shadow King. So they have to go into the astral plane. Angel decides that he's going to stay behind because he doesn't want to become all blue and evil with the temptation of fighting in the astral plane. Um, apparently he's fighting the blue back. <laughs> Not really sure how that works, but he's fighting the Archangel uh, Horseman of Death guy back. And that's why he looks like a normal person instead of with blue skin. So that's what's happening there. Bishop also decides that he's going to stay back so that he can protect Psylocke and I guess the rest of the world <laughs> if uh, Psylocke gets attacked again. Um, we cut to this Shadow King who looks like basically the Kingpin with like spider legs and a fez on his head with some glasses. <laughs> it's weird and creepy. He senses that the X-Men are there and reveals that he has Professor X chained up. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and that's how the, the issue ends. What I enjoyed about this first issue is that it kind of started off pretty epically. Um, like it has Psylocke unleashing a huge ass creature in London and the X-Men trying to stop her and stuff. And then it ends with the Shadow King. Uh, it's pretty cool. I could totally see this being a part of like an opening battle scene in an X-Men movie. I think they did a great job with this first issue. I'm excited to read the rest. And honestly, I do want to see this kind of a scene in, in one of the movies. I think it would be badass to be seen on the big screen. But anyway, here's my beast theory. Now, I don't read solicitations or anything like that, so I don't really know if it's been revealed or what. But I think Beast, and I, I, at the same time, I don't. But anyway, I think Beast is actually Mystique. I think that she is in disguise because she knows that there are, like, issues with her. But at the same time, I don't think it is her because I, I would feel like like Logan would sense that it wasn't Beast like he could smell her and like just know that it wasn't her and then also like Psy uh, Psylocke doesn't say anything 
um, when she puts them under or anything like that. Like, she's a psychic. She'd be able to tell unless Mystique has, you know, protection against psychics, unless she has, like, some kind of defenses that she's been working up. I think a lot of the X-Men have psychic defenses because of Professor X. Don't really know where Mystique lies on that whole thing, but I would assume that she's been trained in that as well. Uh, if not from Professor X, then from Magneto, and if not from Magneto, then just herself because she's a badass woman. <laughs> um, so, yeah. All I know is that Mystique is supposed to be on the team, and she's not, and Beast is. So, there you have it. <laughs> I don't know why Beast is there. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Beast, but, you know, whatever. I guess if you can make me like you. I do like time-displaced Beast, though, because he not only is all into the science and everything, but right now... He's messing with magic as well. And so he's kind of experimenting with the two together. And I, I really like seeing that. So that's really cool. Anyway, that's Astonishing X-Men number one. Uh, pick it up if you want to. It's pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, let's see. What's in the news? Uh, I don't think there's much in the news. Uh, this is old news, but I'm going to share it with you guys. Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be in Ant-Man and the Wasp as uh, Janet Van Dyne. This is going to be uh, Evangeline Lilly's mother, basically the original Wasp. And so she's going to be in the movie. I absolutely love her. Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing and also like my favorite Catwoman ever 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 like my favorite costume of Catwoman my favorite interpretation of Catwoman like just everything she did in Batman Returns was to me awesome anyway so that happened that was a while ago though anyway um the other thing that just got released was a picture of Cable which is uh Josh um what's his name I can't remember his last name, but he's Barbara Streisand's stepson. <laughs> I do know that. But anyway, they released a photo of him as Cable and cool, I guess. I mean, I don't really have any opinions about it. Um, I'm much more excited about Zazie Beats as Domino than I am about Josh uh, Brolin. That's his name, Josh Brolin. I'm much more excited about Zazie Beats as Domino than I am about uh, Josh Brolin as Cable because... I don't know him. <laughs> That's just about it. Uh, anyway, let's get on to what this show is all about, which is low-key. I have Ellie A. Collins on. She is the writer and creator of The Blood Crow Stories, and that's a podcast. It's an audio drama, and I've talked about it in the past in one of the episodes, I'm sure. Uh, I know I have, actually, because it was a recommendation. But anyway, um, this woman is amazing. I, I love her podcast and she is on to talk all about Loki and we do get to get into who Loki is a bit and I actually learned a lot. I don't really or I didn't really know very much about Loki. All I knew was just what was in the movies and she she cleared my mind. Uh, she she filled me with information and it was great. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Here is Ellie Collins with Loki. <laughs> Uh, everybody welcome Ellie Collins to the show. She is an amazing person and you'll learn why at the end. But for now, hi Ellie. <laughs> hi. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about uh, Loki on this episode, which my knowledge of Loki only extends to like the movies and then few little appearances here and there of other comics that I've read. And you're going to help clear all the questions up that I have. <laughs> I hope so. I've been reading Thor comics for 25 years now. Wow. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a long time. 
Um, so let's just go straight into it. Let's. Uh, I know that Loki is from Norse myth- mythology. So, um, what is his origin? How did he come into the life of Marvel? So Loki technically has two first appearances. Um, first one is in the Timely comics. I Venus number six. Um, this is the really real comic. I think it's from the 40s or 50s. Loki was a part of a group of Olympian gods that were trapped in the underworld. His original look, he just kind of looked like a cartoon devil. Mm. Um, but he convinced Jupiter to let him on to the earth, and he just unleashed tons of hell. And Venus um, was going to sacrifice herself to stop him. And Jupiter saw that and said, hey, Venus, you know, thanks for your sacrifice and let her go. And then sent Loki right back down to the underworld. Oh, wow. So that's his first appearance. Okay. <laughs> then his his first official quote unquote Marvel appearance is in Journey into Mystery, which Journey into a Mystery is the run of Thor. Um, so all of the Thor universe is in Journey into Mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but his first appearance there was in number eighty five. Um, he was trapped in a tree by Odin, and Odin said he had to stay there until someone would shed a tear for him. Aww. So. I know it's really sad, <laughs> but it's Odin saying like someone has to give a crap about you for you to get out of here. Right. Um, so through manipulation, he causes a leaf to fall from the tree and hit Heimdall right in the eye, which causes Heimdall <laughs> to shed a tear. He breaks out and proceeds to just screw everything up for everybody. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> So those are his two origins. Okay. So what I do know is, like I said, mainly from the Marvel movies. And so I think I'll pull some of the knowledge there, but then you can like correct everything based on your comics (laughs) knowledge. Um, So I know that he, or at least in the movies, he is Thor's like sort of brother. Um, He's like his adopted brother. Um, How how is that in the comic books? That's very true. Um, The first movie is pretty close to the comics as far as Loki goes. I mean, some of the only differences are like when he escapes past Heimdall, he does it as a snake. Mm. Uh, but the the origin as far as, you know, he was born to the frost giants um, of Jotunheim and he was too small. So they kind of just left him out to die. And then through a whole bunch of manipulation and weird time travel and shit, <laughs> Odin winds up finding Loki. Loki manipulates all of this to happen oh. through time travel that we find out later on. It's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> when you get into Loki timelines, it gets a little wibbly wobbly. <laughs> um, but he pretty much manipulates all the uh, situations for Odin to find him and get him out of there so that he could become the Loki that we know today. Um, okay, so what is, I mean, you say that Loki manipulated Odin, but what what does that mean exactly? Like, what is the, the driving force for Odin to be like, I'm going to take this baby back? Um, Odin, pretty much, um, it's Loki from the future, goes back to, it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like an entire run of a comic itself. Um, but pretty much makes it to where Odin comes across him. And, you know, Odin having children of his own, he's like, they left a baby here, you know, so it was kind of twofold of this baby shouldn't die along with, oh, and if I take this baby, maybe we can broker peace Mm. and that the brokering of peace just never happened. Oh, (laughs) so um, in the in the movies, he has Loki has a closer relationship with his mother than with Odin. And I think his mother's name is Freya. Is that correct? 
Frigga. Frigga. Okay. So um, in the comics, I'm guessing it's the same? Yes. Um, in the comics, it's not as widely shown as it is in the movie. The movie explored a lot of what the comics set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main one is that Odin, Odin was really terrible to Loki Aww. all the time. And it, and I'll get into some of this later, but like, um, Thor really is all Loki has ever had Mm. for better or for worse. And that becomes a lot of the driving force behind Loki, because a lot of what we see as, I guess, comic readers and mortals of Loki trying to kill Thor, that's actually his idea of like, "Eh, I'm just going to mess with my brother. (laughs) Just like taking on that whole mischief thing a little too far. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so when does he find out that um, he is a frost giant and how how did he hmm, because in the movies, they kind of show frost giants looking like a completely different type of species, um, whereas he looks, you know, more like a human type of uh, person. How did he hide that and how did he not know? Depending on the run of comics, um, it's very similar to the movie where Odin essentially casts a spell called a glamour onto Loki so that he would look more like them so that they could sneak him out. Um, Which is why you see like when Odin holds him in the movie and he slowly turns into a little white baby. Mm. Um, But yeah, the frost giants are a completely different species. The movie actually did pretty good at making them terrifying. and (laughs) Um, And so what is that like for Loki when he eventually finds out his, you know, the truth? That's one of those, it depends on the comic run, because Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I've enjoyed about Loki is that different comic writers have entirely different ways of telling his story. So, you know, some comic writers have it similar to the movie where it completely devastates him. And some comic writers where he's a little bit more tongue in cheek, you know, he finds out and it's more like, oh, so that's a thing. So (laughs) I'm going to mess with everybody now. Like, he never entirely takes it well. It just how he deals with it shapes from comic to comic. Mm, okay. And in the movies, I'm going to keep going back to them because that's all I know about him. But in the movies, he has this, you know, drive to basically take over Odin's place because he has this kind of grudge against the fact that he was adopted and was the truth was hidden from him. Um, is that represented in the comics as well? Not entirely. Um, A lot of times it's he just wants to take the throne because Thor's supposed to have it. Mm -hmm. It's it's more sibling rivalry than it's shown. Um, He never really likes Odin. And honestly, nobody really likes (laughs) Odin. Odin um, is a lot of four letter words. I can't say Uh, he Odin is a very terrible person. And, and that's why I have a co- I have a conflict because I love Sir Anthony Hopkins so much, <laughs> but and he plays him very well and very redeeming. But in the comics, he is just a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> so you did mention that Odin is you know a bit hard on Loki. Is it just Loki, or is he like that with all his other children? He's like that with everybody. Okay, okay. Odin, Odin's just a bad guy. <laughs> okay, then that's fair. <laughs> Um, so what is kind of like Loki's deal? We know that he's mis- mischievous, but is there anything more to that? Or Like, is is he evil or is there like a line? Loki is really more of an anti-hero okay. uh, than evil because 
he doesn't want world domination. He doesn't want to, you know, take over everything. His his really main goal is just to screw with everybody. Um, like over the years of the comics, he has summoned every just worthless monster you could think of, along with some huge ones to just send them to fight Thor. He sent Absorbing Man to fight Thor. He sent Juggernaut to fight Thor. You know, he's done all that. You know, at one point he actually like went after Jane Foster because of a whole thing because he realized, oh, if I kill Jane, you know, that'll get to Thor. (laughs) But, you know, when he went to attack her, Doctor Strange actually saved her and Loki got hauled in by Thor. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a lot of messing with Thor. (laughs) Okay. So how does, I mean, how does that relationship really play out? Because like, does Thor love him as a brother still, despite all the stuff that he's doing to him? Yes. um, Because to him, Thor, Thor in himself is not a 100% good person. He's become unworthy of Mjolnir many times Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because Mjolnir is sentient in the sense of she can decide who can and cannot carry her. That's Mm -hmm. why we see, you know, like in the movie, when Loki can't pick her up, it's not because it's Thor's hammer. It's because Mjolnir is saying, (laughs) no. Um, So like, so like Thor himself isn't perfect. And I think just growing up with Loki, the person that he is, he sees Loki as his brother, no matter what. And they're gods. Like a lot of this is games to them. Mm -hmm. And so when Loki is screwing up and it's actually like killing people, he's like, Loki, come on. (laughs) Because Loki does have good redeeming arcs. He's had um, moments where he's actually even wielded Mjolnir. Oh. Um, Like uh, during Avengers and X-Men Axis, there was a spell called Inversion cast and Loki became the god of heroism and truth. And Thor actually became the villain. So Loki is able to wield Mjolnir beats the crap out of Thor and right before he can completely win the spell reverses oh, no. and he <laughs> loses the ability. But, you know, Loki has some very interesting arcs um, and Thor's relationship with him has evolved numerous ways over time. There's, there's a couple comics that I'll bring up later that actually go into that. <laughs> okay. Um, why don't we go ahead and kind of um, talk about one of his earlier arcs that is kind of a milestone for, for Loki. He, Loki was kind of one of those characters that he didn't get much um, serious treatment in the main stories um, from being the anti-hero, but a lot of his like big moments came from a lot of these more recent oh, really? runs. Yeah, um, because it really just depends on the writer. His um, one-off comics, or the little, like, four-coma comics, are really good. There's a uh, run of of comics, Thor and Loki Blood Brothers. Um, the art's by Isad Ribic. It's beautiful. It's like oil paintings. Um, but that one is, to me, a very iconic one for Loki, um, even though the ending's a little not canon. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, Pretty much Loki's ordered to kill Thor from a deal that he had with with another villain. And he, you know, being confronted with actually killing Thor as opposed to like just fighting him and being like, ah, I'm going to kill you. He actually like hesitates and he doesn't know what to do because he knows that Thor actually cares about him and he mm-hmm. can't bring himself to kill him. So instead he imprisons Thor and the Lady Sif and Sif is terrible to him. 
Um, but Loki actually gets to sit on the throne of Asgard. Mm. And he goes through this whole thing of realizing, like, this isn't at all what he wanted. He never wanted to rule. It was just more about beating Thor. And so he's like, crap, I have a kingdom. I don't know what to do. And, you know, Balder, who is also their brother, um, he comes in and out on occasion. Mm -hmm. Um, Balder actually says, like, in no reality does this work out for you. (laughs) And Loki gets kind of upset. He gets to meet his mother, Farbaudi, who, you know, was believed to be dead all this time. And she kind of gives him a talking to. So Loki decides that instead of killing Thor, instead they can just rule together. Then he doesn't totally lose because, you know, he gave it up to Thor, but he also doesn't have to deal with ruling entirely. So he's like, that's it. We'll rule together. Everybody wins. And he goes down to talk to Thor about it. And he's all, you know, like, yeah, I've got a good plan. And Thor busts out of prison and bashes Loki to death with Mjolnir. To death? (laughs) Wow. Again, it's a side comic. (laughs) There's debate over that ending. But I liked it because we get to see Loki's entire emotional roller coaster over what he does from his perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's a really, really important comic in his story and understanding the character. Mm. Um, so you did mention that his mother uh, is still alive. Uh, other than this story, do we get to kind of see what his relationship is like with her? No. Oh, really? So that's not that I recall it because this, this is a side just four issue comic, mm. and a lot of times in comics, those have very little to do with the main story mm-hmm. um, and have very little to do with core canon. So we don't really get much of that anymore, but it was nice when we had it. <laughs> yeah. And how about his relationship with the Frost Giants? Do they ever like interact? He knows that he is one of them. Oh, he tries to kill him all the time. <laughs> oh, really? It, does he just like hold the grudge against them? Yeah, because he he's still thinks of them as monsters. He's mm. like, nope, not one of you. Not one of you at all. <laughs> but he'll play nice if it suits him. Oh, if it suits him. Okay. <laughs> so I do know that at one point he turns into a woman. And I'm I'm not sure what that's about. What What happened there? What led to that? So there are twice that he changed into a woman. And... These are honestly my favorite stories. So, okay, Lady Loki, and I am looking forward to this now that we're getting Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this will set the stage for it because what happens is at the end of of Ragnarok, everyone's dead. And Thor calls the Asgardian souls to find their bodies and be reborn. So Sif's body actually winds up coming back through a um, dying human body. Mm -hmm. So she's unable to go back to her regular Sif body. And when Loki's soul came back, it came back in Sif's body. Oh. But nobody knows this. They just know Loki's back. Or no, yeah, they know Loki's back. And Loki's like, look, I'm done being evil. I don't want to lie anymore. This is all weird enough. Like, I'm just going to. I'm just going to live a good life. There's actually one point, and I can't remember when it occurs in the comic, but Loki has to go bail Balder and Lady Loki out of jail. And it's the funniest picture because it's just it's jail cell and Balder's sitting on the little bench and Loki's like with his back to the 
to the bars, just like huffed in the corner, just mad. <laughs> Wait, um, so yeah, so they they believe that for a while, and then there's this huge scroll invasion, and Loki just can't resist, and she winds up convincing everyone that Beta Ray Bill is a scroll, oh. and gets him turned over. Oh goodness! So he. She, I guess she at this point, so she just can't yes. resist being this mischievous person that just kind of does shitty things to people. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. <laughs> and um, and so then Loki goes, you know, back to her old tricks again and winds up actually becoming partners in a way with Dr. Doom. Oh. And so Dr. Doom invites Loki to move to Latveria and... <laughs> It's it's amazing. They're <laughs> they're a match made in hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a wonderful dinner scene where like they're eating the food that they've prepared for each other, and they're just commenting on how they probably poisoned it for each other. Oh my god. <laughs> and um, but so they have this um dinner with Balder and essentially broker that all Asgardians can live safely in Latveria. And then Loki goes to Thor and says, hey, don't worry, I'm going to be a guy again soon because this is Sif's body. And Thor's like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> no, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wait, but is, is it ever explained how they don't realize or is it just like they don't realize? They don't realize that it's Sif because when Loki comes back, it's like the, that, um, you know, when you Google Lady Loki, that's what everyone saw. And they're like, huh? And Loki goes, hey, guys, it's me. And they're like, oh. Oh no, that sucks. Um, but they just and um, Loki kind of reveals to them like, look, um, Sif's body was in a dying woman. She she can't come back on her own. And so, but of course, it's Marvel. Nobody stays dead. So <laughs> Sif comes back later. Yeah. Um, she get she gets her own arc, and it's wonderful. But so the second time that Loki comes back, <laughs> Loki takes on the form of Scarlet Witch oh, in her wow. astral form. Okay. Yeah, and builds an entire Avengers team to fight this um, elder god. I can never pronounce his name, like Cathan or something. Um, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I don't know. And so the Avengers team has no idea, like, because this is Scarlet Witch. She <laughs> built a team. We're going to fight somebody together. And so then um, later on, they're trying to pull all the Avengers, you know, out of danger and to um, the you know, Wiccan takes his power and Wiccan is Scarlet Witch's son. Right. Wiccan takes his powers, pulls everyone back to the mansion and Hawkeye, like right when Loki gets there is like, I don't think that's Wanda. <laughs> something, something is wrong. And Hawkeye and Wanda had a thing. So Hawkeye kisses Wanda and both of their eyes pop open and they both look like they're about to vomit. Oh. Cause they're just, cause he immediately realizes that's not Wanda. And Loki goes, Hawkeye just kissed me. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it makes a lot of um a lot of Avengers really funny. And All of Loki possessing Hawkeye. <laughs> was this uh before or after Wanda went crazy? This is I think pretty long after. Wanda goes crazy multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> she has this like infinite power. She goes crazy over many things. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah, so at this point, then you you mentioned that Wiccan is involved. So he is like the the reincarnated version of himself, I guess. Like he was born in someone else's, I don't know, yeah, body. Yeah, that's all, that's all really weird. <laughs> <laughs> because I know he was fake for a while. 
understanding Wanda's powers just makes my head hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we currently have um, Jane Foster running around as Thor. Uh, Do Loki and her ever interact? Um, I believe... Try not to spoil something that I'm about to say. Ooh, you can go ahead and spoil. We don't mind. Well, it's something that I'll discuss in a second. Okay. Um, I (laughs) technically don't think that they have, but that might be more my personal opinion. Oh. So technically, yes, they have, and technically, yes, they have not. Oh. Because. (laughs) Okay. Because um, Loki tricked Norman Osborn Mm -hmm. a while back and had his group attacking Asgard. Steve Rogers... Uh, shows up with the Avengers to defend Asgard, and Norman Osborn um, has the Void unleash its entire full power on Asgard. What is so the Void? Lo- oh, God. The Void is a big, <laughs> scary thing. I knew you were going to ask me about the Void. And I can't even... The Void is just kind of like the biggest of bads. It's kind of the nuclear option. Is, so is it like an entity? It depends on which comic you read. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the beautiful and annoying things about Marvel Comics is depending (laughs) on what run you read, people can be entirely different people. (laughs) Okay. That's, that's, you know, probably true. I don't think I've ever run across too much of that, (laughs) thankfully. Not yet. (laughs) Yeah, it's... More in the it's more in the older ones when they pretty much had all these new writers coming in that wanted to tell their different stories. Mm. But so Void decimates Asgard and Loki is genuinely terrified. And so he prays to Odin to help them and uses the Norn stones to pray to Odin and say, like, hey, please help the Avengers. And he actually is killed in front of Thor. And his last words are, I'm sorry, brother. Oh wow. I like when that happened in the comics, I like closed my comic and I set it down and I started crying because I was like, they did not kill Loki because, you know, (laughs) but it's Marvel Comics. He's going to come back. So that takes us into the newer comics where Loki is reborn as kid Loki Uh through manipulations and Book of the Dead. And uh, he essentially Loki over time has built like all these fail safes. So that he can't be destroyed. And so this time he comes back as Kid Loki. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm like thinking Voldemort. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. (laughs) Loki is the Voldemort of Journey into Mystery. Um, But so he gets reborn as Kid Loki, which skimming over that whole story, because I highly encourage you to read it. It's one of the it's written by Karen Gillan and it's one of the best interpretations of Loki in my opinion and it's a it's a really good run you can find it in most comic shops I extremely highly recommend it the humor is great what is it called and uh I believe it would just be journey into mystery okay um but you can look up the kid Loki run um and he goes through all this all this crap but then eventually he is killed directly by the void hmm and that means that he is now dead forever. And any new Loki will actually never be the original Loki again. Oh. So thus, Jane, yes and no. So anytime, 
one of his, I guess, like fail safes um, come through and he's reborn. He's just born anew. Yeah, if if we ever see Loki again after this, it is, you know, like like a clone or, you know, a horcrux, so to speak. <laughs> um, it will never be the original Loki so ever again. Is he dead right now in continuity? Yes. Oh, wow. I, I think because, again, as different writers take um, – and I'm a little behind on my comics because um, they they do they do fun runs like they did a I think it was called Vote 2016 where Loki is running for president. Oh boy, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but so there's these little side runs of it. But also Journey into Mystery got canceled. Mm. So as far as Journey into Mystery Loki, he's done. Wow. Okay. Um. Yeah, the canceling of Journey into Mystery is very sad. It got canceled after Sif ran the show for a while. Mm. Um, but yeah, Journey into Mystery has been running twice as long as I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the only time that I think I saw Loki in another comic was the origins of the Avengers. Because um, he's kind of like the reason they all came together. Uh <laughs> Or at least the first bad guy they all fought together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently, or at least semi-recently, when he was in a... He appeared a couple times on the Miss Marvel run. Uh, he yes. He, like, showed up to... I, I guess Odin was trying to punish him or something again. And, like, sent him to, to this high school again. or something. And he just, like, created mischief there. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, Loki, because it also depends on what, what Loki, um, or what, I'm trying to think of the proper way of what, um, what world you're talking about, because, like, most Marvel continuity is going to be in Earth 616, so that'll be most of what you look at, but then there's all these other time frames and worlds and, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, let's go back a little bit. I'm a little bit curious about uh, you had mentioned that the reason Odin originally picked up Loki as a baby was because adult Loki, you know, went and manipulated the whole situation. So I guess you have mentioned that different writers kind of interpret his reaction to to learning about his frost giant origins like differently, but did he ultimately, I'm guessing he did, but did he ultimately decide growing up with Odin was the best thing for him? Or was it just like, I don't want to die out there, so <laughs> let's make sure this happens? Yeah, pretty much. It was um, it was pretty much like, oh, if, I had, if Odin hadn't rescued me, I would have just died mm-hmm. in that temple, like where they just left him. So he's like, all right, better, better make sure that happens. Um because pretty much future Loki goes to past Jotunheim and deals with Odin's father. Okay. And makes sure that, uh, and he like turns him into snow. He and turns so the father as into he, snow? As he's dying, Odin goes to help him, but like can't find him, obviously, because he's snow. So Loki haunts Odin as <laughs> his father. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I like that. And so um, the the main way that it's told is that he haunts Odin as Bor's ghost. Bor we actually see in Thor the Dark World. That's the person that we see at the very beginning. Oh, um, I don't remember. The... The very opening scene with the big battle dealing with the ether and the dark elves. Oh, oh, right, the, right. That is Odin's father. Okay. Bor. Oh, I always thought that was um, Odin. <laughs> but yeah, and if I remember correctly, ironically enough, that guy is played by the same guy who plays Vincent Van Gogh on Doctor Who. Oh, interesting. Which is cool. But so Loki hunts Odin as Bor, and so... He tells Odin, you know, hey, you should adopt the son of the fallen king and that'll like pay this debt and you won't be haunted anymore. <laughs> and then he goes to the present and is like, yep, I became a god by tricking the both of them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so there's there's actually some times where like, you know, Loki's even gone to Laufey to like rat out Odin before and been like, hey, I got you. Um, but then like, you know, it doesn't work out because Laufey is just a terrible person, just <laughs> like Odin. They're, they're both, so, um, Odin fights Laufey and defeats him and out of, I don't know if it's like pity or obligation, he takes Loki mm -hmm. and raises him with Thor. Yeah. So, um, Loki, I don't, I can't grasp what kind of person he is, whether or not he's this like solo, uh, acting guy, or if he kind of does team ups, what, what would you say is more likely for him? So Loki, part of why I like him, Loki is, um, essentially the living embodiment of the literary device of Xanatos Gambit, where no matter what he does, he's going to make sure it works out for him. Mm -hmm. So even if it's like a horrible situation and he's totally going to lose, he'll surrender. You know, oh. <laughs> if, if he thinks that he can take something on with just himself, he'll do it. Mm -hmm. If he thinks he needs a team, he'll come up with a way to manipulate those people into being, you know, on a team with him. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, he never really has a preference for anything because it's really just all about what can help him achieve the thing that he wants to achieve. Right. I am slightly aware or not aware, but I know a little bit about um, Enchantress and then her sister Lorelai, I think. Do, yes. What, what kind of relationship do they all have? I feel like those, those characters are kind of like a mischievous type. Um, do they ever like, gang up on on Thor in any way oh absolutely Enchantress and Loki are kind of um it's the best way to describe it they're kind of like um the plastics from Mean Girls <laughs> <laughs> like <That's> um <laughs> it's essentially like Enchantress when uh she came about um Loki was like she has all this really cool power and she can do things I can't do. Let's be best friends. And Enchantress <laughs> is already snarky and rude, just like him. So they were absolute besties and they've even fought on occasion, but um, like for a while he was completely obsessed with her and mm. he was like, she's 
a beautiful villain with tons of magic powers. I'ma marry that girl. <laughs> um, and even like tries to beat her in a fight so that she'll like him. <laughs> oh, poor Loki. So uh, speaking of, of his like romance, does he have anyone that he's kind of like after other than the Enchantress? Or maybe it is the Enchantress. Like I, I don't know of him kind of involved with anyone. Loki, again, always out for himself. He's never really involved with anyone. He gets infatuations mm -hmm. with people, um, just like he was infatuated with Enchantress for a while. And then there's Sigyn. Sigyn is actually Loki's wife. Oh. But that doesn't end well for her at all. And <laughs> she's only kind of um, vaguely there in the old comics. Um, she's kind of... It's one of those things where she's there, but not really. She, mm -hmm. I think she's only in like two comics. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but they, they get divorced at one point. She dies and Loki kind of does not take that well after treating her terrible the whole time. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Loki's like, wait, you can't kill someone I like. And they're like, you didn't like her. And he's like, yes, I did. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he seems so silly. <laughs> when you really get into the old comics, um, it gets really silly. <laughs> like, really, really silly. But the, the whole situation with Sigyn is actually really sad. Because, um, like, you know, at one point, Loki was like, oh, I want a wife. And he found Sigyn and, like, gave her jewels and said, marry me. And Sigyn was like, nope, I'm already engaged and you suck. Oh. So Loki had her fiance killed. Oh God, of course he did. <laughs> and then Loki approached her again <laughs> and was like, what about now? <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually Odin essentially just marries them. Like no, no ifs, ands, or buts. He just like up and marries them. And then when Loki's like, aha, your new husband is me, Odin's like, shit. <laughs> and um, and so, but by our Asgardian law, they had to stay married. So all Loki, you know, the only punishment Loki could get was to be exiled. But Sigyn at that point, she had already like accepted it. And so she went with him. And being so impressed, Odin declared Sigyn as the goddess of fidelity. Mm. So then... um. You know, she was mad after Loki got put in a tree. <laughs> and so uh, she followed him, you know, tried to tried to go after uh, the actual Donald Blake when Thor was supposedly in Donald Blake. She tried to go after Odin to get Loki's freedom. Uh, so she ended up yet. like falling in love with him? At that point, she pretty much said, like, I married to him. He's my husband. So I have to fight for him now. Uh. And so there, um, there's this very sweet go skipping over the entirety of that story because she she was amazing. Um, but there's actually at one point, like Loki's punishment is he's chained to the ground while a venomous snake drips like acidic venom onto his face. Oh. Like that's that's <laughs> the punishment that he's supposed to get. And Sigyn actually sits beside him with a bowl and, like, you know, sits there and catches all the venom <laughs> in the bowl. And then she'll dump out the bowl and come back. And 
in the moments when she has to dump out the bowl, you know, the venom hits Loki and she sits there and apologizes to him. And it's just really interesting because she, she went from like, all right, I'm stuck with them to like, she pretty much, you know, was going to do everything right for her husband. And she winds up understanding Loki over time of like, Oh, okay. So I hated you at first, but like, you're kind of in a terrible situation. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what happens to her? She dies. <laughs> how, how um, does she die? <laughs> we, we don't really know pretty much. Um, like Loki leaves her to fight Thor and he's like, look, you know, you, you've done really good to me. You, you've been amazing. I'm going to release you from this marriage. You don't have to stay with me anymore. And, uh, you know, he's like, no hard feelings, you can go. And then as far as we know, at some point she either died or was killed. There's just reference later that she is deceased. Mm, That's sad. It's a sad story. (laughs) That's really sad. It's kind of like, I mean, I don't know a lot about Norse mythology, but like, it's very Greek. (laughs) Just like the punishment of like this liquid falling from a snake and basically burning him i guess oh that's wow and this was odin's if, punishment if i recall correctly yes oh, um geez. it's actually like i think it's from legendary gods of asgard it's like if i recall correctly it's the cover of the comic oh, oh my goodness okay <laughs> wow um it okay so <laughs> is it would you say that the comic was darker in that kind of way earlier versus now? Or does it just kind of carry on like that? Or like just like the whole Asgard stuff? I think now is way more serious than it used to be. Okay. Like back then it was a good combination of like goofy. It was like very serious stories, but with things that were seemingly insane. I mean, a frog has had the power of Thor. Mm-hmm. Um and that's one of my favorite runs. Um, <laughs> you know, when when just about anyone with a good heart has wielded Mjolnir, I think there's about 20 people that have wielded Mjolnir, even some DC people. Oh, wow. Yeah, apparently Superman and Wonder Woman are worthy. Well, <laughs> Not that Batman. Makes, that makes sense, <laughs> um, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, back in the day, they they pretty much, they said, hey, we've got this comic full of gods and crazy stuff happening and so they just they weren't afraid to really go outlandish with it and they took a lot of chances and went totally crazy but you know in in the new ones they're more serious but I also don't discount them because like there's a um entire marvel event called everything burns Hmm. and that whole one is really fun and I think we're going to get some flavors of that in Ragnarok um that's coming out so i won't say what my favorite part of Everything Burns is because I think they're going to do it in the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Everything Burns was a good, um, serious one. It dealt a lot in Loki and Thor teaming up against Surtur. And, you know, so the new one, it's very dramatic storylines, tons of deep character building. But I do kind of miss the old comics that weren't afraid to do these, like, completely crazy storylines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're we're getting close to the end, but I want to ask you a few more questions. Um, where so 
Loki, I guess, for all intents and purposes, right now is dead. Um, where would you like to see his character go, or at least if he comes back? Like, are there any um, people he hasn't encountered that you'd want him to, or anything that he hasn't done that you'd like to see him do? Hmm. I think. Um, well, obviously, I'd love to see Loki come back. I would love to see a return of Lady Loki, mm-hmm. um, because I would really, really love for her to go against Carol Danvers, mm. like have a have a real serious war with Carol Danvers. Uh-huh. Um, I think I would also I would just really like to see. It it sounds cliche, but I'd like to see good Loki, <laughs> <laughs> um, because Loki uh, with the Warriors three. Um, Fandral was kind of always the only one who was ever on Loki's side, mm-hmm. um, which we actually see in the movie when, when everyone's saying, oh, Loki started all this and Fandral's like, come on guys, like he's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fandral was always kind of his friend in a way. And so I would love to see Loki come back and join the Warriors three. Okay. Cause they're all, you know, like retired mostly but i'd love to see him actually formally become a part of that group yeah um did you read um when secret wars was coming out did you read a force i did not you i had to limit which comics i was reading <laughs> and that one got the axe oh no because lady loki was in that one Yes, I had everyone texting me pictures of her. <laughs> well, that's that's fine. I mean, I kind of wish it would have lasted a little longer. I mean, because they brought it out after Secret Wars, but then it got canceled. But um, I enjoyed her character in it because she was kind of like sort of the bad guy, but she had her her reasons. Like she she believed that what she was doing was the right thing. So I really liked her in that. Well, and to me, that that's what makes a good villain. Mm-hmm. Like, a good villain thinks that they are the hero. You know, they think that they're doing everything for the right reasons. And Lady Loki will always have a special place in my heart. I actually met my wife when we both cosplayed Lady Loki. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, so <laughs> it'll always be special for me. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then two more questions. One of them is... Um, is there a like if if the audience wants to get a good Loki story, what would you recommend? I would say pick up from the kid Loki arc. Or um, if they're familiar with all the rest of Marvel, just do the everything burns, like okay. do the whole event. Um, or if you just want like a really quick read, Agent of Asgard. Hmm. Okay, cool. Um, and then my final question is, we we kind of go, went into it a little bit during the whole thing, but like, quickly summarized, why Loki? Why why does this character draw you to him or her? <laughs> <laughs> so originally, <laughs> I am, or at the time when I discovered the comics, I was the youngest grandchild, mm-hmm. and I'm the younger smaller one with dark hair and my other cousin she was the better more talented one with (laughs) blonde hair and so um I was I grew up reading x-men x-men was how I learned how to read Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when I got a hold of Thor I was like man Loki I feel you (laughs) (laughs) I was like I feel you man like forget these 
these blonde golden children. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it definitely started out as hating my cousin. Oh no. <laughs> and now now we're great friends. Um <laughs> But it started out as that, and then it became, like, I've always gravitated towards the villain stories where the villain is so three-dimensional. You know, like, I love characters like Handsome Jack for Borderlands. You know, characters where it's it's not really being a villain. You know, mm-hmm. a villain is, I want to take over the world and ransom off the mayor for a hundred grand. <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> it's, but Loki, it's like, it's either just he wants to have fun or he just wants to start some trouble. So it's, it's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, just from the very little that I've actually read of him, he just, to me, seems kind of like a silly person. Like he just, like you said, wants to have fun. He's just silly. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't take himself too seriously until he's in trouble. And then he takes it very seriously. <laughs> well, awesome. Okay. So that was it. You did such a great job. Thank you. <laughs> um, Yay! Where, where can people find you? I am one of the people that listens to your podcast. Um, so tell us all about everything you're Yay! working on and what you want to plug. Okay. So um, I am the writer and creator of a serialized horror podcast called The Blood Crow Stories. Our first season is airing right now. It's about a 1920s cruise ship with a malevolent elder god on it. And we are releasing the trailer for our second season. It'll probably be out by the time this airs. So um, our second season, Black Chapel, which is a serial killer in the Old West. Ooh. Yes. So um, and that's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, everything. Um, You can find us on Twitter at TBCS podcast or I'm on Twitter at Ellie underscore A underscore Collins. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and I will tell the audience, yes, definitely check it out. I'm like halfway through. So you telling me that he's an elder God, <laughs> it's, it's not known yet, but I'm, I'm liking it. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, we're, we're releasing episode 15 soon and, uh, every season's 20 episodes. So okay. <laughs> we're getting, uh, we're getting into the really deep thick of it. And I'm very happy because like all the gore sound effects and everything we make ourselves Oh, nice. and we, we have a cast of 22 people. Wow. I believe that makes the show happen. Yeah, it's it's intense. Wow, that that's great. Well, congratulations. I'm loving the show. And thank, thank you so you. much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay, that was Ellie Collins with Loki. Thank you so much, Ellie, for being on my show. Remember, you guys can catch her podcast, The Blood Crow Stories, uh, anywhere, basically. (laughs) You can download it anywhere you get podcasts. And uh, we talked a little bit about what that is, so I won't say anything else about it. But thank you again, Ellie, for being on my show. That was actually pretty great. Um, We we talked about how uh, he had a wife and the whole situation with that, and that is so fucked up. Um, I don't know why the gods love to be so cruel to each other or like just to people like there's so much punishment that happens and I don't understand and like that whole story just about his wife and I don't know that was like the saddest part to me Um, but yeah thank you so much again I'm gonna keep thanking you because it was great uh but anyway let's get on to some recommendations let's see so 
at the top of the show, I did spoil what one of them was, which is Girls Trip. It's a movie that's out right now. It's kind of like Rough Night, which came out a few months ago. This was the Scarlett Johansson movie, um, except this is with Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, Regina Hall, I believe, is her last name. Shit, I should look that up. Uh, Queen Latifah and Tiffany Haddish, which, by the way, Tiffany Haddish fucking stole the show. That, oh God, this was her movie, and it was so good. She is so amazing. I haven't seen her in anything else, actually. Confession. I know, I think, she's in the Keanu movie. I think. <laughs> but I haven't seen it yet. But uh, she's great in this movie. She's so good. Her delivery is so good. There is a scene in which she is yelling uh, at her friends. This isn't really a spoiler, but she's yelling at her friends. And her delivery, her whole thing, it was perfection. And it was just great. And I loved it so much. Uh, the movie I really, really enjoyed. So if you have time, you have money to go see it, go check it out. Otherwise, you can probably wait till it comes out on a uh, video on demand or whatever it is. However, you watch your movies when they're not in theaters. <laughs> um, so yes, that's one of my recommendations. Very funny, very great. Uh, and it had some emotional stuff going on in there too. Uh, some serious stuff going on in there. But anyway, the second recommendation is a board game that I played this weekend. And this I bought because I was just browsing board games one day. This was months ago when I bought it. But I was browsing board games because I was like, I need a new thing to play. And this popped up. And you know what? I absolutely love the book. It's Pride and Prejudice. Um, one of my favorite books, even though I read it in the last like four or five years, like for the first time. And it's hilarious. I absolutely love that book. But I bought this game, Marrying Mr. Darcy, and like if you're in not not that there's anything wrong with this, but if you're, you know, like an extreme feminist, <laughs> don't play this game. You kind of have to check your feminism at the door when you play this game because it it plays to a lot of the tropes of, you know, that time um, where it's like your biggest problem is whether or not you can uh, fit all your clothes in your in your luggage. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, it's it's a really fun game. If you love the book, if you love the movies, I guess I don't know how many adaptations of that of that book there are out there of movies, but there are a lot and I've only seen one. Actually, I've seen two because I watched Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And honestly, I loved that movie. I didn't think that I would. I thought it was going to be silly. I thought it was just going to be something that I watched and was just like, okay, that's fine. But no, I actually really liked it. Like the the concept of putting zombies in Pride and Prejudice just worked so perfectly. Uh, it was quite amazing. But anyway, I enjoyed it. I'm sure it's not for everyone. <laughs> so play that game if, if you like those that book uh or any adaptations of the book i like the game because it's so silly and you know you, you drink a bottle of wine and and you can get really <laughs> into it uh but that's it you guys that's the show thank you so much for listening to another episode or maybe this is your first episode if it was how'd you like it <laughs> um yeah, so let's get down to business. The website is interviewacomicnerd.com. Remember, all the episodes are posted there. If you have any comments or anything you want to add to the show, uh, each episode has a comment section, so you can go in there and do that. Also, if you want to send an email, there's a contact page on the website as well. If you don't want to like make any of your opinions public or anything like that, I will get an email directly, and then I can either keep it to myself I can reply to you or I can read it out loud on the show if you want me to do that. Uh, I have no problems with that. Also, on Twitter at interview a nerd, 
Um, don't really post too much things on there, but you know, whenever I'm reading a comic book and I like some panel, um, I'll snap a shot of it and then I'll post it on there because I think it's funny or emotional or whatever. So if you want to check out some of that stuff, then that's where that will be. Um, also you guys go on iTunes or Apple podcasts. Cause I've heard they changed the name. I, this is just hearsay. I don't actually know if they changed the name. <laughs> I just hear people talk about how the name has changed and I haven't actually done any research because that's not who I am. <laughs> but anyway, go to Apple podcasts, leave a rating there. Do me a smidge of a favor and do that. Uh, remember it only takes like a minute out of your day. You can even just hit the five star, just the, the star all the way to the right, the fifth star to the right, all the way over there. Just click on that one. Give me a five star rating. It'll be great, I'm sure. It helps me out. It gets the show a little bit more out there. And it gets, you know, maybe some other great people that I can interview about some crazy characters. Anyway, this is the end of the show officially. So thank you again for listening. Remember, be kind to one another. Stay lovely. And we'll see you next week. Bye.